0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Hi, one more week, we are on the kind of like the home stretch of this series. I hope you are enjoying it. If you have not been here over the last few weeks, let me tell you about what we're talking about. Um, there's this kind of just phrase that that we heard and we picked up on, where somebody said, "Hey, you do you," and it was like I had to look up Urban Dictionary to figure out what it meant, and I'm like you know I want to make sure that some young person wasn't insulting me unbeknownst to me and so I, I looked at and it just means hey you be you you do you you do what you want and flow with what, who you are and you just hey be yourself and I thought what a fun phrase and an interesting phrase and um you know I, I I lumped it in with YOLO YOLO you know what YOLO means you only have once what that means is this hey don't think about consequences just go be an idiot for a day that's what that. Isn't that what that kind of means don't, don't YOLO. Just, but you do you, okay? Um, and, and here's the only way that I want you to do you is I want you to discover who you are because the Bible, the Bible speaks directly to this idea of I want you to know who you are. Now, instinctively as human beings, we all ask that question. That's why we long to know where we come from, what our heritage is, who our parents are, things like that. We, we, we all kind of know, want to know who are we in this world. And the Bible speaks to this. Paul takes really maybe even an entire book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians, to address who you are. Because once you become a Christ follower, what you want to do is make sure that no longer do you let your past define you, your parents define you, your sin, your mistakes, Um, even like the good quality, like you want to be careful what defines you. And Paul said, as you become a Christ follower, you want to let God define who you are. And the way that Paul coined it was this. He said, I want you to think of yourself now, not even as a Christian. Let's, let's, let's just kick that one to the side for a second here. I want you to think of yourself as in Christ. Like your whole position in life has changed. You used to be over there, but now you're in Christ and everything has changed. Because now that once you're in Christ, you need to know that you start adopting and inheriting all these new things about who you are. Like, like in Christ, you're forgiven. We all want that. But see, also in Christ, we are victorious. Like not only did the gospel come so that you could be forgiven of your sins, but the gospel came so that you could be empowered in this life. Not only that, like in Christ, you're blessed. In Christ, you're redeemed and reconciled. In Christ, today, we talk about this kind of new idea that we will go down today. And if you have your Bible, go to Ephesians with me, to Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll jump forward just straight into the text. The Bible begins in verse 1, and he kind of starts off with this phrase, and it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved, everybody say children. I love it. The The other translation I like even better, it says, Be imitators of God as dear children, almost to get the idea of like, when your kid is little and they try to like do what dad does or act like mommy acts and they try because that you know you just imitation right and so that's really the idea is paul is saying hey i want you to think of yourself as a child of god and i just want you to look to jesus i want you to look to god i just want you to try to act like they act be like them i want you to imitate them as dear children but what he's implying though is what you are a child of god that's the way I want you to see yourself. That's this whole new identity in Christ Jesus. You are now a child of God. Now, here's the funny thing, because it goes further to explain how you became a child of God, right? Because last I checked, yo mama, yo daddy had a special night. There was a look in her eye, a look in his eye, and Marvin Gaye was playing in the background, and love is in the air, and like that's how, that's how you really got here in life. But what the Bible says is that you became a child of God through something differently. Look at what he says in the book of Romans. For those who are led by the spirit of God, they are the, there's that idea, children of God. And the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit you received brought about your, everybody say adoption. Your adoption to sonship. And by by him we cry out, Abba, Father. If you don't know that word Abba there, is literally the word dad in aramaic or actually like papa so like even today if you went to the middle east and we're watching some little kids run around and if they saw their dad they'd be like papa or they'd say abba 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 it's just an aramaic word for papa but when we translated that into english we didn't put papa in there we just left it aramaic and so that's why there's that weird word abba But the Bible says that you're a child of God, and you've got this new spirit in you, and the spirit helps you to look at God, and from that point forward, look at God and say, da-da. That's like a little kid in the background. Anyway, the Bible says in verse 16 that the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So I want you to think that in Christ Jesus, when I put my faith in Jesus, my position in life changes, not because of what I've done, but because God picked me up and put me into a brand new position in life. And in that new position, hey, like I'm a child of God and I have been adopted into God's family. Now, let me tell you something real quick here. This would have been strange language to them. I think adoption is kind of fairly common. As a matter of fact, I was looking on Facebook and we've got friends in San Jose that just finalized their adoption. His name is Miles. I want you to know I gave, I gave him that name. I'm like, you know what would be a dope name for a little boy? I'm like, Miles. And he took that name. And so hey, I, just want, I just want to take a little bit of credit for that. So, so, so this little, cute, little, handsome boy was adopted. And what they did was they wanted to adopt him, but they had to take him into like, like a foster situation until like they could see and wait and do all the paperwork and the process. But they finalized it all. It's been like two or three years now. And they finally have officially been able to adopt little baby Miles. And so it's a cool thing now. And, and like adoption is something we celebrate now in our day and age. Adoption is like even... If you're in Hollywood, it's a little chic to adopt a foreign baby, apparently. You know, that, that kind of, it's kind of weird. Um, adopt people because you want to love people, not because it looks cool. Uh, that's just a side thought. So, adoption is something we celebrate, but in the Roman world, they would have never celebrated adoption. Their view of children was that they were kind of a means to an end at best. They were just something that you did to kind of further, you know, the the universe and further the population. It was because you needed laborers. Many times, like, kids were completely discarded. Infanticide was a huge issue back then because the the child immortality rate was so high that, like, children didn't live. There was, like, 40% of kids didn't live to be 10 15 years old back then. And so if you had a baby that was born with any level of deformity, they would literally just suffocate it and throw it out. Like that was the way they looked at human life. And they didn't see life the way that we saw it now. And the only people that adopted anybody really would have been like your, your rich and wealthy elite political class. And the, many times the only reason they did that is because their kids were so crazy or they couldn't have any kids. They would adopt like a 12-year-old and then let him take over the family name to keep running the family name in power. As a matter of fact, the emperor nero was the adopted son of julius whatever his name was and so a lot of these roman emperors adopted sons so they could keep the family name and legacy going and so but but see christianity all of a sudden kind of gives birth right at this time period in the roman empire and then christians start doing something so weird they start adopting children simply because they believed something totally different. They thought life is valuable and people are precious and children are precious in the eyes of God. And where did they get this from? Because they saw Jesus treat treat children a different way. He actually described people in the kingdom of God as being like children. And and when you look at like the the apostle Paul builds on this, see, see, this is what Jesus did. Jesus changed the paradigm of how they viewed God. See, in the pagan world, they would view God as someone to fear or to someone to manipulate. In the Jewish world, they looked at God, but they also looked at him as like the God of Israel and as a king and as a Lord. And Jesus shows up and starts changing the paradigm, and then Paul builds on that, and he introduces his words. Everybody say, Adoption. So Paul uses this word adoption to say, hey, I want you to know that you were orphaned by sin, but God has chosen to adopt you into his family because he loves you. And when you think of the world like that, you're like, wait a minute, all life is valuable. What if I could adopt that person and that person? And with whatever is in my means, I could actually love other people and take care of other people. It came from the New Testament. And so the New Testament is largely where we get this shift in the world mentality towards adoption that life is now valuable and that's why we're going to talk about it today that in Christ Jesus I am adopted now I'm going to show you how that works and what that looks like you ready if you're taking notes you can write this down number 1 is this is that you're adopted by a father right so again Jesus when he introduces this new paradigm They always thought of God as the king of Israel, as the Lord of Israel, maybe even as the father of Israel. But Jesus shows up and says, I want you to think of your heavenly father as your personal father. That's why he said, when you pray, I want you to pray our father who art in heaven. And that's that same Aramaic word that I want you to think of God as your dad. And this is is, is huge ramifications here because now God is not distant and impersonal. Now he is close and incredibly personal because Let's be honest, our father is one of the most important relationships we will ever have in our life. It it is huge. If you are a dad, you start to feel the weight of that responsibility of looking at another little person, knowing that you are responsible for their life. You're responsible to love them, teach them, guide them, protect them, care for them, all these things. We know that like when we look back into our past and we think about our dad, anytime I ever sit down with another dude, if it's a counseling session, especially, or it gets into a deep conversation, man, eventually dad's coming up. Because dad drives deep in our, don't, don't get me wrong, moms, you drive deep too. It's just different. But when, when we talk about like some issues that run deep in our life, when I talk to both male and female people in any counseling situation, we start going into the past, kicking over cans, seeing why do we feel this way? Where do these fears, where do these things come from? All of a sudden, it's, we, we eventually get back to some type of parental issue, And I believe that your heavenly father wants to redeem that. Like your heavenly father wants to show up and say, I want to be the dad that you never had in this life. Or if you had a great dad, I just want to be the dad that jumps on top of whatever he did and keep adding and building to that. Like your heavenly father wants to have that type of relationship with you. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 20. This is right after the resurrection. He's talking to a woman in the garden. They're all excited because Jesus rose from the dead. You'd be tripping too if you saw that. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me or don't touch me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And so here's Jesus, again, trying to change the paradigm. And I want you to know, like, he's, he's sitting here saying, hey, look, he's not just my father because I'm the only begotten son of God. I want you to know that now you can be the adopted son of God, that you can be in with me. That's why he said, go tell my brothers I'm going to my dad, and now he's your dad. So, like, you've been adopted in, and God wants to be a father, so you're adopted by a father. Let's keep going here, because listen to this you're adopted through a brother. If you're taking notes, you're adopted through a brother. So in Ephesians 1, it actually says that you were adopted as sons, but by Jesus. And the reason why is because your big brother is the one that paved the way for you to get in to this whole new family dynamic, to be adopted. That only takes place because of Jesus. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to to the image of his son that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So the idea is this. The reason why Jesus went to the cross was to pave a way for you to get back into relationship with your heavenly father. And this gets this whole adoption thing just gets blown. Everything is family driven now. Now you got a dad in heaven and your big brother Jesus just totally saved your butt. That's how this whole thing works. Listen to this. Hebrews 2.11 says this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same what? Family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So who's your big brother? Jesus. He's the firstborn among this entire family dynamic of which you have been adopted into. And apparently he's not embarrassed by you. Because I don't know about you, but like, how many of you are like the older brother, older sister in your family? Raise it up real quick here. Let's be honest. There were times where you were embarrassed of your little brother and your little sister. I see this all the time. My son is 13, and he's got a little sister at 10, and another little sister at 7, and they do think, Caitlin, the little one, wants to come up, and, because, like, she thinks he's, like, awesome, and big, and strong, and indestructible, and that's why she can hit him, and throw things at him, and she doesn't care. She just thinks everything will bounce off of him, and it usually does, because she doesn't throw real hard yet, but that'll change, um. But but she'll want to like do this thing at dinner where she runs around the table and she gives everybody kind of a hug and a kiss at dinner time. And man, the big brother's like, oh, get off of me, you're gross. You know, it's just, that's, you're embarrassed, you know. There's a natural tendency for siblings to like fight, argue, bicker, quarrel, be embarrassed of one another. I just want to throw out this idea to you that Jesus has redeemed you and he is in no way embarrassed by his little brothers and sisters. And so I, I just wanted to throw that out there for you. He, here's another thought. Not only are you adopted by a father and through a brother, write this down if you're taking notes, you're adopted with other brothers and sisters. So it's not just Jesus, but like, everybody look around real quick. Yeah, that's your family right there. Your family. I always think that every, every, every family is a little bit crazy. Every family is a little bit dysfunctional. They say that every circus has a clown, every tree got a squirrel. That's family. That's family. Every family, because th- I want you to think about your family real quick. Every, every family member is, a- yeah. and if you can't think of the crazy person in your family, it's probably you. <laughs> think about that. It's you. Everybody else, if they were here today and I said, who's the crazy one, they would just be thinking about you. But, but hey, here, here's the cool part. You're in. You're, you're already in. How many know like there's a different dynamic to brothers and sisters? Like, like I had friends in high school, man, I don't, I've, I haven't talked to them since I left high school. And we were like the coolest of friends and best of buds and whatever else. But, like, now my brother, my brother could, like, be mean to me and beat me up as a kid and say, Guess what? He's still my brother. I tell you, his birthday was two days ago. You know, so, like, I'm still hitting up my brother, hey, happy birthday. Why? You're stuck. You can choose your friends, you can choose to leave your friends. You're pretty much stuck with your family. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm stuck with you. I'm stuck with you. Um. I, I Yeah, I know. I want you to think about this. In the New Testament, I I literally looked this up, and I want you to know this is how much your pastor loves you. He took the time to count this. After 100, I quit. But I I did count up to like like 110. I'm like, forget this, I'm done. Over 100 times in the New Testament, do you see Peter, Paul, Jesus, John, these different guys? And when they talk in the language of all their writing, all they say is, hey, brothers and sisters, do this. Brothers and sisters, remember this. Brothers and sisters, don't forget this. Brothers and sisters, know this in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this. It, it, it kind of shocked me because like it's almost kind of like old school churchy. Oh, brother so-and-so. <laughs> you ever go up in a church where like people are like, brother so-and-so? That's kind of Pentecostally, you see, so you know? Maybe First I I don't know. But it, you know, like, oh, brother so-and-sister, sister so-and-so. And, and I always thought that was like old school churchy. And so I, I've never once in my life called oh brother steve (laughs) Nah, you're just steve (laughs) i love you but you're not brother steve anyway i kind of dismissed that whole thing and when i looked at the new testament over a hundred times in the new testament do all the writers just continually say it was as if they wanted to make it a default assumption i just want you to like this should be the automatic perception, the way that you see everybody around you. And I'm telling you, this type of way of looking at everybody around you has incredible ramifications. Watch this. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Listen to this in 1 um, Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Peter is, or Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father treat younger men as if they were brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters with absolute purity and what he was trying to do is again trying to switch this dynamic you are in Christ Jesus you have been adopted into this family and when you look at everybody else i want you to know they're flawed they're quirky they might be a little bit weird some you're going to love and connect to others you're going to be oh that's interesting but no matter what the dynamic is this is your family. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. This has racial ramification, doesn't it? Because like now you cannot look at another person and think, well, because they're of a different ethnicity or they come from a different background, they have a different pigmentation of their skin. No, no, no. They are your brother or sister in Christ Jesus. This has ramifications when it comes to gender. We saw that earlier. It was like, no, no, you look at her, you treat her like, like it's an older woman in your life. You treat her like it's a mom. That's another one. You treat her like it's a sister. It's a family dynamic. When you look at, at men as brothers and you, it's just a different flow and it has all kinds of ramifications in terms of how you treat people because in Christ Jesus, you are stuck with one another. The Bible doesn't say that actually, but I just, I'm going to tell you it's in there. It's in there. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And what that means is, is even when we mess up, even when we screw up, even when we make a mistake and offend somebody, that's why we're, stay, we're still in the family Let's keep moving forward to try to work it out. Listen to this. I love this scripture. Hebrews 13, one, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. It was as if he knew. Just, I know it's gonna be hard. I know what she did. I know what he said to you. I know they're funky. I know it's weird, but just as best you can, keep moving it down the track. Keep loving one another as what? Y'all are stuck together. So not only are you uh, adopted by a dad, through your big brother, Jesus. You've been adopted with other brothers and sisters. This is a really good one. Well, you've been adopted with an inheritance. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. Did I just hear somebody say cha-ching? Um, so so I, I, I've had conversations with people about this. I remember growing up as a kid, even and, and it, you know, the older you get, the more aware you get. And I, I remember having these friends and I, I just thought what I came from was normal. I had a mom and a dad and dad was really successful and grandpa before him was really successful. And moms were, to, were, were sharp and on point and doing their thing. And I just thought, well, oh, that's, got, that's got to be the, the norm, right? And then you get older and you realize, wait, that's not normal. I mean, not completely normal to everybody. And I started finding like these buddies of mine. And as I would get closer to them, I'd find out their fa- family dynamic was much different than mine. So, for example, like when I first became a Christian, I remember hanging out with these, these couple of dudes that were like helping me start all my faith journey. And, and when I looked at their family and I looked at my family, I'm like, that, that's, that's different because this one was like this dad was abusive and this mom had mental health issues. And for the other one, this, this dad was in prison and this mom had other issues. And it was like, wow i didn 't i didn 't I didn't know that you could totally come from like because again when you 're young you just don 't know what you don 't know and and as i what I realized was is that in life there is a temptation to adopt your family heritage, and I just want to let you know that in christ jesus you don 't have to because like let 's be honest there 's a sin cycle isn 't there? there there are generational curses which means is this the sins of the fathers seem to pass on, the sins of the parents seem to pass on and, and, and there does seem to be like a flow in which, well, my grandpappy he was he had gambling issues, and daddy had gambling issues, and now you know I like the cards and the dice too. Or you know, then there's there's like, well, mama was angry and grandmama was angry, and well, we're all this ethnicity, so we're we're just angry. I guess I just want to let you know you don't have to, because you've been adopted and grafted into a brand new family, and your heritage and inheritance in Christ Jesus is awesome. Can I just say that? Like you can adopt a new family reputation. You can adopt a new kind of flow to your character and your nature. You can, ad- I just want you to think about this too. Cause some of us come from families that are gonna like parents that will leave us an actual inheritance when they pass on. And we got others that like will adopt their debt maybe. I don't you know, you're on the weight end of the spectrum there. I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you get an inheritance. And, and here's what I want you to know about that inheritance. Listen to this, Romans chapter 8. Verse 16, the Bible says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are what? We're God's children. This theme is just driving everywhere. And now if we are children, then we're what? We're heirs. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What? So the point is, is that your inheritance in this new family is legit it's real and it's eternal you will literally share in the glory in heaven I, I don't even know what that looks like we can go read revelation 20 and 21 and start seeing crystal lakes and rivers here and golden i mean like, i don't know it's going to get crazy up in there it's going to be awesome i'm that that's the only that's what i think john was trying to get to because you can't write down everything it's just like it's glorious It is So I just want you to know that in this new family dynamic that you don't have to inherit the heritage and the reputation, the flow of your family, but you have been adopted into a brand new family. You have a heavenly father. You have a big brother in Jesus. You got some awesome, sometimes funky brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and you have an inheritance. Lastly is this. I say lastly. That does not mean I'm about to close. Last this is the last point for right now. You are adopted into just a new family. And, and, and I want to, I want to like break apart what I mean by that. Like, so you, you know, you got a dad, because I don't want you to think like, oh, I said yes to Jesus. So now I'm just forgiven for my sins. I guess that's it. No, that's not it. You got a new dad. You got a big brother. You got a bunch of people in the family. There's an inheritance. But like, I guess my point is, you're adopted into the whole system of things. All, it's an all-inclusive thing. You can't say yes to Jesus and say no to your brothers and sisters. It don't work like that. You're stuck, remember? You can't say yes to Jesus, but I don't know about this or that. Or it, it, it's a whole new family dynamic. And part of that family dynamic is this, is that how many of you know, like if you were in this home as a kid and you got adopted and you went into this new home, how many of you know, like there's a whole different set of house rules? right? Like like the way mama used to do it versus the way my new mom does it. The way that dad used to do it. Everything changes in this new family dynamic. And Paul actually takes time to address that. That's why I'm bringing it up. So remember in Ephesians 5, 1, where it says, we're dear children of God. Listen to what he says next. This is verse 2. In essence, he's saying, therefore, Since you're adopted into this new family, therefore, since you are children of God, this is what I want you to do because this is a whole new family dynamic. I want you to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. So here's the first thing that he says I want you to do. Now, dial in with me real quick because I just need you to flow with me here for a second. In the Bible, there are commands... Or or rules, right? I like to call them commands. But when we think about like house, we think about rules, right? So like in my house, we have certain rules. So like there are certain things like you cannot lock your sister in the dog crate. That's a rule. Okay? Like that's just something like you're not allowed to do anymore. Um, And those are things that sometimes you have to introduce because you felt like I didn't, I I shouldn't probably have to say that until I experienced it. And I'm like, okay, we should make a rule. But other rules become really, really, really obvious, right? Like, like, like how you like, honor your mom and dad. So like, one of the rules in, in our house that is a non-negotiable rule is you don't sass your mama. Okay? It's all bad if you sass. Don't you disrespect your mama. We're going to have issues if you disrespect. So that's a don't command, right? Don't disrespect mama. But then there's a do command. So like one of the things like, hey, you, you have got to treat your brothers and sisters with kindness. We don't, we don't treat our brothers and sisters, we don't put down and say mean things and pick on and do nasty things and say, we don't, we don't do this, you got, and so like, I want you to think of all the commands of, of, of this new house, all the rules of this new house fall into do's and don'ts, right? And it's important to have the don'ts because, again, somebody's eventually going to stick a kid in, in a dog crate and you're like, I didn't know I even had to say that, but now I have to say it, so don't do that, so that's why there's don'ts. Because, it, so, so here's the do's. All of the do's can be encapsulated by this one idea of walk in the way of love. It is the supreme ethic by which all other things are judged. It is why we consider love to be the very nature and character and makeup of who God is. So when you think about how do I want you to treat other people, particularly your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I want you to walk in the way of love. Why? Because Christ Jesus loved us and was a sacrifice for us. And so it's in light of this. So everything you think about with your crazy brothers and sisters, with the ones you like, with the ones you don't like, I want you to walk in the way of love. And Paul does not take a lot of time here to discuss what that means. But we look at the whole New Testament, we, th- we see things like encourage one another, forgive one another, bless one another, help one another, right? We see all those things. But Paul doesn't do that just yet. He just says, just know that everything that you do comes from this supreme ethic of love. Now, the next thing he does here is this. He gets into some don'ts. So verse 3 says this, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for this new family dynamic the house rules have changed for god's holy people nor should there be obscenity i don't even we i don't know we could talk about that maybe but i don't foolish talk coarse joking which are what they're out of place meaning they just don't flow in this house in this new family but rather actually what i want you to do is be grateful have thanksgiving in your heart for of this you can be sure no immoral impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater meaning you have put other things above your heavenly father these people don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient what he was saying was this is don't let anybody talk you into oh that's not a big deal oh that doesn't matter he goes no 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 these are family rules this stuff matters remember that whole thing about don't sass mama yeah you can get a whooping because there's certain you just don't you just don't do you just don't do that right and so he was saying no 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 there are consequences for disobedience and here's here's why and if you're a parent you totally get this there are there are things that you recognize in your children that if you continue to allow, you know that eventually that's gonna hurt them and other people around them. So it is actually harmful to them to not disobey them. Does that make sense? So you recognize that a parent, that, that if I let them You know, do this, go this with their attitude, go here with their actions, treat other people like that, respond to mom and dad, treat their brothers and sisters like this. I know if I allow that kind of behavior, it is going to hurt them long term. It is harmful. I would be a bad parent if I did not discipline, if I did not teach, guide, train, and try to work that out of them. And that's the way your heavenly father is. So here's what I want you to see. All the do commandments are rooted in the supreme ethic of love. All of the don't commandments are still rooted in love. It is only because God loves you that he would ever discipline you. I'll prove it to you. Have you ever been in public and seen a a kid while out on their mom or dad? It's embarrassing, ain't it? You're like, dang, my mama would have whooped me. You know, you, you feel like a little uncomfortable. You're like, dang, that kid just hit their mama or that kid just drove off in the car. You know, whatever it is. And you almost, you, almost, you almost feel embarrassed. But have you, have you ever gone up to that kid and be like, that's it, you get over here right now, I'm gonna teach you. Have you, you ever spanked other people's kids just in, in random? No, because you wouldn't be here today. You'd be in jail. Child abuse of other people's kids. that You wouldn't be here. Why didn't you discipline them? They're not your kids. So whose kids do you discipline Your own kids. Whose kids are you? God's. Why would God discipline you? Because he loves you. See, what he knows, so when he says something like avoid sexual immorality, you know what God knows? God knows what you don't know that sexual immorality is something that's going to bring harm into your life. I know you wanna dismiss it. I know culture wants to dismiss it. But I'm telling you, sexual immorality has ramifications. Paul says in other chapters, he says, beware of sexual sin because of any other sin. If sexual sin's different because you actually are sinning against your own body. And what you don't know is that sexual sin has internal ramifications in your soul. There is junk in your life right now and you don't even understand why that's an issue. Why do I have a problem? with that. Why is this keep, keep coming up? Why do I have an issue with this? And you don't even know that it's rooted in the sexual immorality that you participated in years ago. And, it, and maybe it was because you didn't know any better, but I'm just telling you, you have a heavenly father who is pleading with you and warning you, avoid these things because I love you. Avoid these things because they're going to harm your life. They are all still rooted in love. All the commands of God, they are not restrictive in nature. It's not God trying to keep you from good things. That is ridiculous. The don't commands of God are protective in nature. God's trying to preserve you for the best things and keep you from harmful things. So he says avoid greed because what happens is is when greed gets in your heart, you all of a sudden elevate other things in your mind, other things in your priority, and you miss the point of what God wants to do in your life. You miss the point of your relationships. So when he says get greed out of your life, he says things like even like get um, foolish talk and coarse joking out of your mouth. You know, what he's, you know what I think he's really doing? I, I, I think he's wanting to say, hey, look, you represent our family. This family, will not talk like that. Like, that's, it's not okay for you to go out and just use your words to speak this way, talk this way, and act this way. It's not okay, because you're part of a new family. You need to represent the family well. But I want you to know, because I love you, because I know that, again, there are things that I want to protect you from, and there's success that I want to set you up for. And they all flow out of the commands of God. Jesus, listen, 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 listen. Jesus did not die to give you a new set of rules. Jesus died so that you could be reconnected to your heavenly father, be adopted into this whole new family. I guess my point would be this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We don't follow the rules so God will adopt us. Like this isn't like if I do all these things, then God will let me in. No, you're already in. We don't follow the rules so God will adopt us. We follow the rules because God has adopted us. We only love because Christ first loved us. We only forgive because Christ first forgave us. We only want to avoid these things because we recognize that God loves us and is just trying to set us up for success and the best, most abundant life possible. And that's what we're talking about in this series is that in this new dynamic of being in Christ Jesus, we are blessed, we're redeemed, we're forgiven. But today I want you to think about this. Hey, I'm a dot. I am brand spanking new into this family. I got brothers and sisters. I got a big brother in Jesus that that took it all for me. I've got a heavenly father that I can call dad that begins to replace and and mend and heal all the stuff because here's what I believe about all of us. We all long to be accepted. We all long to be loved. We want somebody to take us in. we, we, We hate the idea of feeling completely alone And lonely, and we long to be loved. Watch this. This is what he said in Ephesians chapter 1 when he first introduces the idea of adoption. Listen to this, and I'm closing after this. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Let me just close with this thought. There are times in life where sometimes people are adopted out of obligation. I, I thought about this the reason why is because in my family I thought if something ever happened to my brother that my wife and I would adopt his daughter that that was just something we had made a predecision to do that if something ever happened to my brother we are going to adopt my niece and take her in but to a certain degree not that I not that I wouldn't want to but like I'd be obligated to adopt that kid right like, well, I mean, technically I'm her family, I'm her uncle, I, I ought to do, it's the right thing. There's a certain level of obligation that I would need to adopt my niece if something ever happened to my brother. I want you to know that according to this scripture, that, that God adopted you according to his pleasure and according to his plan. I, w- I just want you to embrace this idea. God chose me. God pursued me. God went looking for me. I am not adopted because I went looking for God and said, please, 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 will you let me come live with you? That is not what happened. I am adopted because God came looking for me and he chose me, not because he was obligated to, but purely out of his pleasure and out of his plan. I want you to know that you have a home. You have a place. You have a dad. You have brothers and sisters. You have an inheritance that you have been brought into the family of God. You are at home in Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. I want you to take just 20, 30 seconds and and have a personal moment of prayer with God and just say, God, thank you so much. Thank you that you took me in. Thank you that you brought me in. And it's not because you had to. God, you just loved me. You you wanted to adopt me. It was your pleasure. And God, in you, I'm I'm now forgiven and redeemed. I'm brought into the family. I'm not just like the stepchild of the family. Like I'm totally in. I'm an heir. Not not just an heir. I'm a co-heir with Christ Jesus. I'm all the way in. God, you have accepted me. You have redeemed me. You have loved me. I am your child and I have a place and I have a home in you. Listen to me, I know this life is brutal sometimes. I know that many of you in this place, you have a father wound. You have moms that abandoned you. You have dads that were abusive. You have brothers and sisters that maybe wouldn't treat you. I'm just telling you the dynamic has changed. Everything has changed. In Christ Jesus, you have been adopted by a perfect heavenly father. But it was through The sacrifice of Jesus. Everything's changed now. And so God, we thank you. We thank you that in you we have a home and an inheritance. We have family. And we finally belong. Father, we thank you and bless you today. And it is in your holy name that we pray. Can we give the Lord a big amen and a thank you? Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.